The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. The Investment Fix Podcast. Tune in today. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. to Paper Cuts. It is the podcast all about books. I am one of your hosts, Karen Das, and I'm joined by Louisa Cossa and Gina Todd. And so today we have the usual menu of book news, book reviews, and some other bits and pieces we thought you might want to know about. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter and Insta. We are at PaperCutsPod, and you can email us because we'd love to hear from you, papercutspod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for everyone who has been in touch and given us all these lovely reviews. Um, we won't read them out because, you know, we don't want to yeah. bore you. But well, um, Time is money. Time is money. Uh, <laughs> but keep them coming because we love to hear from you. We love you. to hear from you. And yeah. there's lots of people we don't know personally, which is... Such a buzz. Yeah. But it's not our, you know, two mates yeah. getting in touch. <laughs> it is kind of shocking. It kind of feels like some you guys have been, like, eavesdropping on our private conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but but we you love haven't. It. We love it. Yeah. yeah. It's lovely. Yeah. Um, I wanted to just do one shout out to Karen at Matakana Bookshop because have you guys been into that bookshop in yes. Matakana? Not so for I've, a few years. I don't though. think I've been to Matakana. Oh, yes, you have. Have I? <laughs> God. Okay. Never mind. Alice, take that out. <laughs> Leave oh, it in. Just Leave it in. Just Leave yeah. it in, of course. So I went there actually um, just not long ago and I went into the bookshop and I was kind of snooping around, you know, like a good bookseller and I wasn't going to say anything and then the lovely lady there, the bookseller, came up to me and said, I knew I recognised you from somewhere. I recognise you from the podcast. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. And she said that she listens to it every Sunday and um, yeah, it was really cool. That's so lovely. So thanks, Karen. Thanks, Karen. Karen. Um, we love you. Lovely bookshop. Yeah. It was I've buzzing. Never been. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, shall we move on to book news? Yeah, we've got lots of book news. We always have lots of book news. <laughs> but for once, we're not like doing our podcast the day before they announce the big <laughs> yeah. prize. So, that stuff has happened. It's quite pleasing. So, I guess the hottest news at the moment is that the Booker Prize uh, for 2019 was announced, the winner. And it was a, in a shock one, uh, two winners. So a draw. A draw between the Testaments by Margaret Atwood and Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadette Evaristo. And there's been quite a bit of controversy, rightly so, about this. Um, I feel like <laughs> I've every time I've gone on radio in the last two weeks, I've been asked about it. So I've probably just talked everyone's ear off <laughs> with my toxic opinions about <laughs> how I just think it's absolutely awful. Um but yeah, I yeah. mean, bit of a cop out, absolute cop out. Because yeah. part of the rule of the booker is that <clears throat> it must always be awarded to somebody, and it can only be awarded to one person. And 
So the judges have awarded it to two winners because they couldn't make up their mind and that is just a blatant um, disregard to the rules. Yeah, yeah. And I also feel like Margaret Atwood is, I mean, she's a fantastic writer. Really she doesn't need her. it. She didn't need it. She's already won the book. she wanted it. <laughs> it's embarrassing <laughs> Apparently for she looked embarrassed. Yeah, but I'm not surprised. So, yeah, I think the Testaments, um, I've, I've read it. I thought it was really digestible and compelling. But yeah, agreed. I don't, could you have read it now? Yeah, I've read it. But I don't think it was prize-worthy, even kind of long-list-worthy. And I'm wondering, my theory is, do you think the judges were just so excited that they were some of the first people to Mm. read this manuscript and they had to keep it under wraps and it felt really secretive and, Mm. and they feel like this very special connection to this book? that no one else had read apart from them and the publishing Yeah, that's most likely. And I feel like that has uh, tainted their judging views. It's clouded their judgment. Yeah, absolutely. Because they read it, obviously, because before it was published from a manuscript. I'd feel cool if that happened to me. Yeah, and um, I'd I'd feel kindly disposed to a book (laughs) that only I could read. Yeah. But um, I think it's a real cop-out. And also, like, you know, my big bugbear is that this is the first time a black woman has won the Booker Prize, and I just think it's really shitty that the first time that's happened, she has to share not only the glory of winning the prize, but half the money. It's just kind of rubbish. They got got half the money. They split split the money, so it's half a prize. It is extremely rude, but... Um, Boo to that. So, as a bookseller, I'm glad that it wasn't just the Testaments yeah, that won. That would be rubbish. So, yeah. I think that would have been bottom-of-the-pile worst scenario. Yeah. This is the step up from the worst scenario. Yeah. Mm. Ever mm. the Pollyanna yeah. is how Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> There's quite an interesting article, which I will post on our show notes, by... Sam Jordison, she is the a publisher from Galley Beggar Press who published. He. Oh, he. I just assumed it was a woman. No, it's, oh. a, it's a husband Don't and wife. You're so sexist, oh. Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was uh, speaking about the experience of being shortlisted for the book uh, mm. Ducks Newbury Port by Lucy Ellman. And it was really interesting hearing their point of view mm. of what it was like to be a small press, what you have to pay when you're mm. a shortlisted author. I mean, that's that stuff's real. Even in mm. New Zealand, you know, with the Ockhams, it's still quite a hefty entry fee that mm. you have to pay. Mm. And I think that people often don't realise that the reason that books don't get entered for prizes is often because of the, the cost barrier. Mm-hmm. I actually saw someone from another amazing small imprint say, oh, why don't they just call it the Penguin Random House Award and be done with it? <laughs> I'm cool with that. <laughs> As a Penguin Random House employee. Yeah. <laughs> Even though but I know no, it's was a great, shit. great article by um, Gally Bigger. Yeah. Yes, and apparently Gabby Wood, who's like the head of the Man Booker Committee, has responded, but we can't read it because <laughs> it's under a subscription-based website, the bookseller. So oh, we tried yeah. to get clips of it from Twitter. And pretty much she's just like, I'm sorry they feel this way. <laughs> yeah, paper cuts, we don't pay for things. That's yeah. not our brand. <laughs> no, no. So anyway, that's our take on the, um, yes. on the Booker fiasco. <laughs> maybe maybe by next pod, one of us might have read Girl, Woman, Other. Mm. Yeah, yeah, none yeah, of us have read to. it yet. I think it's out of stock with the publishers at the moment, mm. uh, but it's due in end of this week, start of next week, so that's when people will be able to get their hands 
putting yeah. your hands on it. Yeah. I spoke to someone this morning who's read it and he said it was excellent and he was really pleased that it, it had been recognised thus. But um, one thing about what the um, judges said when they were backing up their decision to award it to two, you know, they were saying we couldn't decide between the two and it's like, well, actually... There were six books on the shortlist. So what are you saying about the other yeah. the other titles? You're kind of um, pissing on them, really. Maybe, maybe. I feel like maybe that's like a bit like, I don't know, a two-pointed attack. But I would be in my feelings if someone said that and I was oh, yeah, that for person. Sure. Yeah. I would hate to be shortlisted for a, an award like that. Oh, yuck, that. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It would just shortlisted and not win. Yeah, or yeah. even just just all that. the performance of it. And I mean, spectacle. it must be good, but then you kind of and you have the the people nominated get paraded out, mm. and they have to go through this thing. And I don't think yeah. I could stand it. <laughs> like it would be amazing to be recognised, but then you know. yeah, I'm I'm not feeling the same way as you guys. I'm like, <laughs> bring on the prizes, bitch. <laughs> I want some trophies. And what if you're reading Twitter <laughs> after the shortlist comes out and people say, "Why? what is that doing on the shortlist? It's just so many opinions. Too many I'll opinions, just trophy. like us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> okay, so let's move swiftly the along. The next uh, item on the agenda is New Zealand Bookshop Day, which is October um, the 26th, Saturday, which is this Saturday. This Saturday. This Saturday. Look at us, we're so timely. Yeah. So hopefully this will go up um, yeah. in time. Oh yeah, if it doesn't, then that's our fault. No, I think it, I think it will. I think it will. And um, just, I would recommend just get out to your local bookstore. Just say hi. They'll have a lot of bookstores around New Zealand will be yeah. doing at least something. They'll be doing something fun, and for God's sake, at least buy a card before you leave. <laughs> Don't just go in and be like, hi, happy bookshop day, yeah. and leave. <laughs> like, that would be nice. I still think that would be nice. Really? Oh, fair enough. Okay, yeah. maybe. Oh, okay, never mind. I'm not a bookseller anymore. Kind of but when I it... was, I was extremely grumpy and wouldn't have appreciated that. <laughs> think of it like a birthday. Just pop in and say hi. And you you might be going to a different bookstore because mm. it's Labor Weekend and lots of people will be going away. So yeah. in your local holiday oh, town. I love the sound of that. Yeah, if you're holidaying in Matakana. Yeah, there sure. you go. Go to Karen. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next up is the Goldsmith um, shortlist. And I just wanted to talk about that because we've talked so much about the Booker and the Goldsmith Award is one of my favourite literary awards. Um, I think I've talked about it on the pod before. Mm. And what it is is that it celebrates books, well, fiction, that opens up new possibilities for the novel form. So it's exciting literature and it's always a really interesting shortlist that celebrates the kind of books that I'm interested in. Um, so the shortlist this year, it's interesting, there are two books on the shortlist that were on the Booker yeah. longlist and shortlist, and I'm really thrilled to see that Duck's Newburyport by Lucy Alman um, is on there Previ as well. Previously reviewed by Karen on Paper Cuts. <laughs> did I review that? Didn't you? I don't think I did. I think I talked about well, you it. you talked about it, yes. Just, uh, yeah, talked about it. Karen and I are still reading We're still reading book. it. Oh, my gosh. Mm. It's very I mean, long. Not that I'm like, oh, hurry up, guys. It is quite <laughs> long. I'm terrified to read that book. Oh, no, it's... I would happily give up everything to read it, but I've had quite a lot of author interviews to do lately, so I've had mm. to just kind of put it aside and read a whole lot of work stuff, yeah. which I'm not happy about, but, no. you know, that's just my life. That's life. Um, but anyway, so Deborah Levy, the man who saw everything, is on there, and one called Good Day by Vesna Main, and another one, I love this title, We Are Made of Diamond Stuff. 
Mm, I like I like the cover for that book. Too. Yeah, great cover by Isabel Widener, and that's published by Dostoevsky Wannabe, yeah, which is a name. cool um, <laughs> name for a publisher. And there's another one called Amy Arnold, and that's the author. The book's called Slip of the Fish, and that looks cool too. That's another. That's a great title. Yeah, that does look cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, that will be um, announced on the 13th of November. Yeah, so in the so. meantime, check out that shortlist. And, um, Do you reckon um, Ducks Newburyport will win that? Surely that has reckon, to win. Yeah. If no, you're looking at, what is it, opens up new possibilities for novel form. That's what it does. The Absolutely. thing about that book, it's a thousand pages, but every page is full of text. Like mm-hmm. there's no breaks. It uh-huh. takes ages to They're read. They're not selling me. It'd be a nightmare for you, Louisa. You'd be like, I want to put a full stop in here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's going to stress me out. The one, the one sentence thing, uh, I'm sure that if I read it, I'll enjoy it. But it's kind of, a, it's a bit of a stumbling block for me at this point. Mm-hmm. I yeah. just feel like, yeah, it will be very stressful. I took it on holiday. I was carrying six kgs <laughs> and that was one of my books <laughs> I took on holiday with me. And... Uh, I still only got 300 pages through. Um, I was like, I'm going to knock this off. That's pretty good progress. Yeah. Come on. But I thought I would be doing far. I thought I'd be doing more. I was a little bit disappointed in my reading. That's why I told you to wait until you got back to Oh, my God. I was messaging Kieran (laughs) as I was packing, being like, I don't know if I should take it or not, but I couldn't find an alternative that I would or everything else I knew I would finish and then I would run out of stuff to read, which is worse. And that's a nightmare, isn't it? Running out of reading material. In other news, the Smiths are coming, but not (laughs) the... Oh, my God. (laughs) Way to freak me out. (laughs) God, call the police. The Smiths are coming. We can't... Oh, right, I get it now. We can't remember if we talked about this last pod, but I think it was announced just after we recorded, which Zadie Smith is coming to New Zealand. She is going just to Christchurch. To the James Hay Theatre on Wednesday the 13th lucky of November. So lucky as part of Word Festival. Is it too late for us to go down for a field trip? Well, that will be the week after we go to mm. Wellington. We can talk. <laughs> yeah, let's talk shop later. <laughs> and then my, one of my favourite people in the world, Patty Smith, is coming to Christchurch in Auckland in eight, the end of April next mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Patty Smith and her band is, are playing. Oh, Maybe one day, maybe maybe something will come up with her book. I don't know. That would be amazing. That if would it be did. amazing. There's lots of opportunity. It's kind of around the right time for certain things. Yeah, yeah. Um, certain festivals of rightly things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, she's playing at the town hall in Auckland, which will oh, be exquisite. Be Beautiful, so good. dreamy. I mean, surely she can just take a meandering journey around the west coast of the South Island mm. for yeah. a few weeks and then come up just Play in time for mid-May. Barrytown. Yeah. Barrytown. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it'll be a that. perfect opportunity yeah, Patty, for her. If you're listening. She can write a book about it. Oh, you know, she'll write a little memoir. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So that's exciting book news too. So that's all of our book news. Hey, now we're going to give away our um, signed copy of Inland, which we talked about about six I weeks like, ago. Yeah, we um, we may have um, had a had a brief unscheduled hiatus. Oh, uh, we, we Karen was away for a week. I was away for two weeks. Mm. I was away for a few days. Yeah, did you go to Brisbane? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah flash guy. International. Um, 
but we did overseas. we did draw a winner and we loved all the messages that everyone sent yeah through. thank, thank you. you uh we appreciated the little compliments you threw in they won't help you win but they did make <laughs> us feel happy and good uh, I chose the name very democratically through randomnamepicker.com. And I watched Jenna do this, so I can oh, verify that. Good, because I don't trust Jenna very much. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ellie, Ellie Horsley is the winner. Wow. Congratulations. Congratulations. Oh, well done, Ellie. I'll send you an email in the next day or two, and I'll grab your address and I'll courier that over to you. Um, so, thanks again to Hachette for providing that signed copy of Inland by Tia Albrecht. Yay. So, uh, now we're on to our book reviews. Oh my god, it's come up so fast. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to hear what you both have to talk about. So, Shall do you want to go first? first yes, Lou? please, Lou. Okay. All right, well, I am going to talk about... Um, now, this is a book that I actually worked on as an editor, so mm. it's so I know it very, very well. Good disclosure. Um, but, uh, yeah, obviously I'm not just talking about it for that reason. I'm talking about it because I love it. So That's what I said to Jenna, that I was like, I can't wait to hear what Lou says about this because she won't be talking about it if she didn't love it. No, no way. Um, so the title of the book is Scented. It's by Lawrence Fernley. Um, so this is published uh, this month, actually. Um, so it's a novel... Oh my god, I'm like, I'm like losing the plot here for some reason. Okay, so this is a novel about a university um, professor named Shan who is made redundant, and it's quite a timely story. It's all, you know, it's set during this kind of precariat sort of time that we're living in, where kind of people who are very educated, very qualified, hold these high positions, are actually not as secure as they would have been once upon a time, um, and. So it's about her rebuilding her life after this, you know, quite horrific and traumatic restructuring in which she loses her job. It's also mainly about perfume. So mm. this person, Shan, she is quite a sort of exceptional person in that she really kind of centers her, has her primary sort of sense. And she has always kind of experimented with making perfumes and kind of layering different scents, different oils, different essential oils, etc. And, um, yes, please. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just topping Luke. No, hit me. Up. We hit have me, bubbles. Hit me with the bubbles. Yeah, we're going to have bubbles from now on. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so if you're interested in perfume, I think that it is quite interesting because it's, it's bizarre for someone to write about perfume. I often, like... I'm slightly interested in perfume myself, and I'll often go on this website called mm. Fragrantica. Oh, I love that website. Yes. I use it all the time. It is <laughs> such an ugly website. Yeah, it's like very 90s. <laughs> and I always find it really difficult to imagine what the scents smell like. Mm. But I think that this book does a, is really kind of light in its approach to describing scents, and it sort of mixes things that might be more familiar to your average listener, like the scent of gorse. Mm. And then it also talks about kind of more um, kind of exotic scents like um, benzoin and um, other stuff that I have no idea what it smells like. Mm -hmm. um, so she, yeah, so Shan is, yeah, she's this perfume-obsessed professor, and when she loses her job, she just doesn't know who she is anymore. She's just like, well, who am I? what is my role in this world? She's a middle-aged woman and she's trying to get employed and she's kind of suffering from that middle-aged invisibility where people don't want to employ you because, you know, you don't have the right skills or you might not be in the workforce mm. forever, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot at play. And also she's an American studies lecturer and there's a lot of American literature allusions scattered throughout the book. It's a very elusive book. Mm -hmm. 
and I found myself um, kind of pausing my reading, going to a library tab and like chucking it in. And so mm. as well, so this book has led me to read some American classics. One of them is Sister Carrie by Theodore Dreiser, mm. um, which is an absolutely fabulous, like gothic kind of little girl goes to the big city and gets like snapped up by bad men and kind of sinks deeper and deeper into kind of obscurity. It's awesome. So yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this book. It's everything. So Lawrence Fernley, she's written quite a few novels. I've only read a couple in the past um, and she's won a few Occam's awards as well. I think one of them was for The Hut Builder. Yeah, and I read Edwin and Matilda as well, which is about a relationship with a big age difference. And Where her last one was Reach, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, Where is Scented set? So Scented is set in Auckland mainly. Ah, um, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I was, I was expecting Wellington or Dunedin. 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 Yeah. yeah. Well, so it does sort of go back and forth about Shan's life. So she grows up in Christchurch and she talks about the smells of like each period of her life. So in Christchurch, she talks about the smell of the gas works that's near her grandparents' place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, in Wellington, she talks about the smell of her friend's Aravelli flat, which smells like, you know, onion flowers and cat piss. Yeah. And so the whole thing is just very sensory, but it's yeah. all done with, yeah, with such a light hand. She just knows what she's doing. She's a really confident writer. Um, and it, it manages to be beautiful, but also quite crack up mm-hmm. as well. It doesn't take itself too seriously mm-hmm. all the time. It's not sort of flowery and elegant all the time. Like the cover. The cover does have flowers on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was your experience of editing the book like? I don't know. Is that I, a dumb question? No, no. It's a really good question. I was just having a drink. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, I didn't have to do that much. So some mm. some oh, writers... Yeah, you mean some, she just made it so easy for She you. made it so easy, yeah. I mean, so when the book comes to me as the project editor, it's already been through like a proper copy edit mm-hmm. and a structural edit. Mm-hmm. So all I'm doing is sending it out for proofreads and making sure that everything kind of like adds up and that none of the proofreaders like do something that makes the book worse. Mm-hmm. And that's actually quite a hard trick to do mm-hmm. when you're dealing with fiction, mm-hmm. you know, a comma added or subtracted. You kind of have to run all that stuff past the author. Mm-hmm. Um, Lawrence was a dream to deal with as well, so that was really great too. Cool. Um, yeah, but she didn't need she didn't need too much tinkering with, which mm. is good, but also slightly annoying sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you want something to sink your teeth into. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, well, I think that shows a lot that you would have read over this so many times. Yeah. So I well, I don't think I'd ever read it straight through. Mm-hmm. I'd read it in chunks, mm-hmm. and I sort of was reading as I went, but. Yeah, I read this kind of like over the last couple of days. Oh, and, cool. And it was still enjoyable, mm-hmm. even though I've kind of seen it quite a few times. That says a lot. It does. <laughs> it does say, it says a lot about the quality of the writing. Yeah. 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 yeah so that is my review. Oh, good. Thanks. Thank Thanks. you. That's Thank good. You. Really wanted to hear about that because I love scent as well. So yeah, I know you do. You yeah. always smell great. Oh, thanks, Lou. And I um, actually interviewed an author the other day, Christos Chokas, the Australian writer. Oh, yeah. And I read his new book. Author Dama- of The Slap. Yeah, The Slap. Um, his new book, Damascus, is so evocative of smell, um, whether that smell is of um, the earth or putrefying flesh or blood mm. or even fear. And it's really intense, and I asked him about that. You know, um, the way that you write about smell is so evocative, and he's kind of writing about the beginning of um, Christianity. So how did he evoke that kind of world? And he was just saying, you know, um, he doesn't feel that writers use that sense enough. 
yeah writing yeah. um i think you're right it's, it's, it's so evocative yeah. but i guess it's quite hard mm. to describe can i add one more thing to mm. my review mm-hmm. to kind of bring it all together what Shan do, does to deal with her feelings of inadequacy and loss of identity mm. is that she decides that she will, because she's always played with making perfumes, that she will make a perfume that sort of represents herself. So throughout the book, you have her kind of looking for notes that represent her, and mm. they might be things like the smell of her father's like doctor's bag, that mm. leathery smell, or it could be things like... Um, the sewage smell from her flat when she was living mm. near, a, near a like you know a sewage plant and yeah so, mm. so that's kind of like what drives the book along. Cool. I just wanted to mention that because I always manage to like leave out one really vital point. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great, Lou. Just leave it as a surprise. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Everything else will be a surprise. Who's next? I think Jenna. Yeah. Okay. This book has Louisa Cossa written all <coughs> over it. Not literally. <laughs> it's called The Grammarians by Kathleen Shine. Sheen? S-C-H-I-N-E. I go with Shine, yeah. Same. Um, and the, what really drew me to this book was the cover. Mm, it's a great cover. Uh, <laughs> it has this quite like haunting and creepy 1960s photo of some twins on the front of it. Mm, very cherubic little girls. Yeah. But they look quite mischievous the as eyes. well. The eyes. They look they they up to something. look right through these blue eyes. So this is Kathleen Sheen's 11th book. I've never read her before, but just picked this up and um, read it over a couple of days. It was really engrossing. It's about these... One thing that annoys me about the cover is that it's about these red-headed twins, and the twins on the cover do not have red hair, and they oh, always talk about the red that's hair. annoying. I mean, it's sort of auburn. Not really. No, not really. So there's brown. Yeah. In this book, we have these red-headed twins called Laurel and Daphne, and when they're young, their dad brings home the Webster, Webster's New International Dictionary of the English Language Second Edition, which is missing two pages, and it sits on an altar in their little library in their house. And this just brings on this love of words for them. They re- just All they do is read the dictionary, but they also have their own language. And they're quite insular. Their parents feel dis- quite disconnected from them. Their mother thought that when she had children that she would have this really intense bond with her kids. But they, they just had this bond with each other. <laughs> God. And Terrifying. Yeah, and the, they are kind of terrifying. They have an uncle that keeps talking about how like creepy they are. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a funny little little book. Um, and I'm just going to mention I didn't take many notes for this, so I'm just going to free range. So you, we read as they grow older together with this love of words, and they live in this tiny flat in New York up these five sets of stairs and they're just in each other's pockets. But their careers take them on quite different journeys, but with this love of words. So Daphne becomes a writer for a columnist, kind of like Mary Norris. Mm. She has a column called The People's Pendant, and she <laughs> reviews That's other journalists. <laughs> yeah. She reviews other journalists' grammar in their in their writing, and she pulls people up for stuff and is like, Oh, I, re- get, I get the title yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? I get it. Grammar. Grammar. <laughs> was I saying it correctly? You said people's pendant. Oh, people's pendant. A- as in a play on the word pendant. Yeah, pendant. That's the joke, isn't yeah. it? So should I say pendant? Or, well, what is it? <laughs> it is, that's what it's called. <laughs> so you are making a joke. I thought that was a joke. 
I don't know. I That's didn't... why I thought it was funny. But you'd probably get it more than me because you're a... Well, like... pedant is, is, the, is, is, is actually the word. Yeah, but I thought, like, it was but, called but pedant called... as a joke. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, which like, it yeah. probably is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. it no, is a joke. It's definitely pedant. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Okay, okay good. <laughs> we've cleared that up. I'm actually not a very good language person in terms of oh, grammar, so... I think you might get more from it than me, but actually I found while reading this book, because they speak a lot about grammar, and because I'm learning a second language, mm. those things that I'm really thinking about all the time, yeah. it actually made it better for me than maybe if I read it a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. learning another language is a really good way to learn about what grammar is, mm. what it does, what, what it's for. Yeah. Yeah. Kia ora. Sorry for this interruption. It's Alice Neville here. I am the food editor at The Spin-Off. And I just wanted to pop in and tell you about our food podcast, Dietary Requirements, hosted by me, Simon Day, and Sophie Gilmore. It celebrates all there is to know about eating and drinking. There's cooking tips, there's special guests, there's what we've been eating and drinking lately, and we try not to chew into the microphone too much. So if you like food and drink, Listen in. You won't regret it. It's, it's at thespinoff.co.nz and all your favourite podcast providers. If you're listening to this, you must love the spinoff. And the best way to show how much you love the spinoff is to become part of the spinoff members. The fund helps keep us free and accessible to all without a paywall. It also funds some of our most important and acclaimed journalism. You can pay what you want, but for just $8 a month, you will receive a wonderful package, including our very first book. Anyway, so <laughs> sorry, guys. So what we do is they, yeah, they go into these different roles. So Daphne becomes this columnist. She works all the time. She marries like this really kind of scruffy but lovely um, doctor, but they still stay in this really cruddy little flat where Laurel goes into. She becomes a kindergarten teacher, but then she gets married to quite a wealthy man and has a child and, and doesn't work, which Daphne finds quite offensive. And she lose, she's she ends up trying finding a different love of language, which is about it's quite a language journey. It, oh, okay, I'm gonna put go back a bit. At first she's really worried about in terms of language where she has this child and she doesn't want to hire a nanny that doesn't that has an accent because she wouldn't she wants her child to have the best English possible and she's been reading this these advice books about hiring an upper class nanny for your wow. child wow. and Daphne finds that awful yeah it is but awful then um but then Laurel goes on this journey where she starts reading letters from the war, which has a lot of misspelling in it, and starts writing poetry from that. And then she finds the love of misspelling and, and bad grammar. So they go, and they end up having a big rift because of the language, not oh. their, their philosophy on language kind of changes. <laughs> it's this book so yeah it's a book about language and also about class and that holding on to language and really um <coughs> what's the deal with mm. speaking proper english which i remember yeah. um marlon james at the writers festival talking about that when he said he said something about how when people talk about speaking proper english that's just a version of like 
high education English, which is not actually the correct English. It's quite classist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah extremely so, so. It explores all of those ideas while being quite witty, and there's these really great sub-characters who actually narrate the story. So you see the twins from outside mm. and them within, and this rift that comes between these people that were so close. The problem with the book is that it reveals the whole entire plot in the blurb. Oh, That's no. why I don't want you to read the blurb. Okay. So l- when oh, you read it, yeah, don't I read won't. the the blurb. Mm. I published yeah. it. What were they thinking? Because, mm. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, name and shame. Yes, <laughs> it was. Who was it? It's for us, Strauss and Giro. It may normally yeah. have a very high quality. Yeah. yeah, the blurb just you know like one thing they mention. Is like, happens, a, is, like a, is like happens on two page two hundred and ten oh, of a two hundred and forty five okay. page book. So everyone go out and go out and buy slash yeah. you know read from the library the grammarians, but don't read the blurb. Yeah, hey, I saw this book shelved in the biography section. Did you? I did. Oh god, oh, so funny. I'm so and triggered. then remember a customer was looking for it and didn't it show up on the current affairs table? Oh, <laughs> so it's just <laughs> it's a bloody novel, mate. So. It's, it, I really liked it, and it was just such a joy to come home to and read. Ah. And it was just quite quirky and funny. And, I mean, I read so many books like this about sort of oddball people living <laughs> in New York. It reminded me a lot of A Reunion of Ghosts. Do you remember that I book? I do remember that book. It was very like um, Franny and Zooey, but with um, with a group of middle-aged sisters. Oh, it was great. Remember we talked about oh, that I the other day? recognised the cover, didn't yeah. I? Yes. yes. I'd completely yeah. forgotten about that book until you mentioned I it. I loved that book. It's about <sighs> kind of a little bit virgin suicides. These older yeah. sisters uh, have a suicide pact. That's right. Yeah, God, it's all very healthy. So and good. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so it reminded Cheerful. me of that. Yeah. <laughs> And, and so it fits into that genre, and yeah, I really liked it. I really did. And but I just thought uh, because of the um, the language in it that you would really like it, Louisa. So I'll give it straight to you to oh, read if you're oh, interested. Oh yes, yeah, I'm very interested. I'm like foaming at the mouth. That's how interested I am. She oh good. Is. <laughs> Here you can go. confirm. <laughs> and that's my mm. unplanned review. Oh, it was <laughs> a great review. I never write Thank notes you. in case <laughs> that wasn't super that's obvious. Really good. <laughs> You're both brilliant, okay? Oh, just off-the-cuff brilliance. <laughs> yes. Karen, let's hear from you. Okay. So <laughs> I've been having a bit of a Rachel Cusk bender. Um, I feel you. And just, you know, to be quite honest, I just want to ditch everything that I'm reading um, and just read Rachel Cusk and Fitzcarraldo Editions books <laughs> and <laughs> just kind of luxuriate in that. But I had the luxury of having a few days off where I didn't have to read for work. And so I treated myself to a couple of um, Rachel Cusk backlist titles. And um, so I read one of her novels called Arlington Park, Mm. which was brilliant. Um, So good. Kind of the perfect novel. And then I read this one, um, The Country Life. I've actually got a few pages left, so I haven't quite finished it yet, but I really wanted to talk about it. Um, This is from, I've had it for ages, um, and I've only just kind of got stuck into it. Um, It's from 1997, it's her third novel, and um, it's been compared to Stella Gibbons' Cold Comfort Film. (gasps) That's one of my favourite books ever. And Charlotte Bronte's Jane Eyre, and it's kind of this amazing, rustic, kind of pastoral, comic novel. It's quite satirical. 
Um, so Stella, the character in it, she's 29 years old and she's fled London. She's fled her life really abruptly to take a position as an au pair um, in a small kind of Sussex hamlet on this kind of um, amazing sprawling property. And she's there to take care of Piers and Pamela Madden's disabled son, Martin. And um, we don't know why the last au pair left, but we know that it was really sudden, um, her departure. And as the story unfolds, we learn more about Stella's backstory and what she's running from and each of the other characters. And she's kind of in this constant state of emergency and she is so crack up. Um, part of the job description um, in the ad was... Um, you had to have a driver's licence. And she kind of forgot that little detail. And then she gets there on her first day and the mother says, oh, and so you'll be able to pick up and collect um, Martin from his, like, um, respite care. She's like, oh, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> She's, like, trying to get out of um, admitting that she can't drive. Oh, God, I'm, I'm sweating right now. <laughs> I was feeling it. These two, these don't, two drive. don't drive. Um, yeah, what would you do? This yeah. is, like, literally... Dreams that I have, nightmares. I know, and I could read it so tangible to me. I was like, I can see myself being in that position. Like if I became a book rep. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> Bussing. Bussing around. Bussing around. Yeah, against a little suitcase. With a trunk full of books. <laughs> so um, anyway, she is crack up and she just kind of gets into one ridiculous kind of situation after another. All the characters are kind of awful. Martin is kind of awful as well can you say that about a I know person? I know but he is quite manipulative they all yes, are it's a quality <laughs> I know it's like so dark um but it's really odd and offbeat and it actually reminded me a bit of a paper cut's favorite the ice shelf oh okay <laughs> to the ice shelf yeah or should I say the ice shelf reminds me of this because <clears throat> she even uses the word contrempts you know how that what book is... always comes up in the ice shelf. She's after my little contrempt. Oh, you know, like her I don't remember that. It just kept coming up, all her little contrempts. Oh, and um, that comes remember. up in this book as well. And I sort of thought, oh, yeah, I can see that connection. I wonder if um, Anne Kennedy was um, influenced by the country life or Rachel Cusk. I feel like I asked Anne Kennedy if, like, she had read some book. What was it? Oh, like... If, 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 like, her, if I shelf was referencing Palefire, and mm. she was like, nah. Because, <laughs> 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 like, the thing is, is that, like, you read your own books. Of course, and you, yeah. you, you kind of bring your own backlist to everything you read. Yeah. But this is so great. It's such, it was such a tonic to read, and it's kind of about embarrassment and awkwardness and loneliness and strange families. And I just think Rachel Cusk is such a sharp and interesting writer and she's so original as well. And interestingly, when I bring her up to other readers, quite often they say, oh, she's hard. She's hard. She's a hard sell or she's hard to read. And I just don't, I don't believe that. I don't, and I know I don't you find that to either. be the case at all. Um, she's very, uh, to me, her prose is very simple. Oh, this was just such a dream holiday mm. read. If anyone wanted something like that, you know, I would recommend Rachel Cusk. But I think she's also really paved the way for a lot of um, the hugely successful and popular woman writers that are loved today, um, you know, in literary Yeah, that's probably fiction. fair to say. Um, but I also read her other book... Um, Coventry, the essays, ah. but I think that kind of links to something that you're going to talk about yes, a bit yes. later. Yeah. 
Um, which now, I think. Oh, now. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at my notes. Okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I jumped to attention. Hey, so Louisa, you lied earlier when you said you don't subscribe to, or paper cuts don't pay for things. I know, yeah, that was a, that was a little joke of mine because, um, yeah, so I, um, I, I think I was like, yeah, I, I subscribed to the New York Times, long story short, mm-hmm. and then I felt, and then I was like, what am I doing? I should be subscribing to, like, local stuff instead, you know, like, I can't afford this, and then I... What local stuff? I don't know, anything, like... You could become yeah, a, member, a member of the spin-off yeah, membership that, program. That's true, and then I could give myself some money. Yeah. Hard <laughs> <laughs> out. Um, but, um... <laughs> Yeah, and then I tried to cancel my subscription to the New York Times. It's impossible. Don't even. Oh. So be careful. Make <laughs> sure much, that you really want to subscribe. How much is it? Um, I don't know. Do you get the just the digital just the subscription? Digital, yeah, just yeah. the digital subscription. Yeah. It's like five bucks. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> a week, a month? A week? No, a month. It must be a month. No, I, I, okay, I really need to check my bank account. Yeah. I've been live. I've been trying not to look at it because I'm upset because I'm meant oh. to be saving money. But however, I, I am. Knowledge. I am really enjoying my subscription. Yeah. I think that the thing is, is that when you're not subscribed to something, you keep on getting cock blocked. You know, to yeah. you, you know, cock blocked by all these like, oh, you know, you've used up your three articles this oh, yeah. month. Because I get the notifications from the New York Times. You know, they send about twenty a day. Bing, bing, bing to all the things that you. But you can only read a certain amount yeah. of them. <laughs> so I might as well subscribe too. You may as well subscribe. Yeah. But the thing is that once you do subscribe, you're not getting those messages anymore, and you kind of like ah, you're, because you're clicking really? through from like social media. You're like, why aren't you getting the messages? Oh, you're not getting. I mean, you're not getting. You're not getting cock blocked anymore. Oh, no, so no, you don't yeah. notice it. So I'm just. I'm probably reading tons of New York Times articles, but I'm just kind of like, I don't. I'm not counting them mm. anymore. So mm. yeah. yeah. So yeah. probably on the whole, it's good. Anyway, <laughs> I just had to get that off my chest. Um, Alice, please cut that. <laughs> um, so I. So. We talked about do, not doing not books anymore, and now we've changed it to online picks. But actually, essentially, it's the same old not books, really. Isn't yeah, it? I know. <laughs> oh my god, we do what we like. What a saga! <laughs> um, but I did pick an online pick. Um, it is an article by our friend Rachel Cast, which is in the book um, Coventry that I've just read as well. This piece that you're going to talk oh, about. Oh, fantastic! Oh, yeah. we, then we can both talk yes. about it. That's good because <laughs> I read it a little while ago, and I'm slightly oh, hazy on the details. Great piece. Well, Rachel Cusk, I find it really hard to summarise her writing because she writes in this really open and expansive way, and I think this essay is a great example of that. So the title of the essay is The Age of Rudeness, and she starts off by detailing this encounter she has at the airport. There's um, a man checking bags, and he's kind of treating everyone with a whole lot of contempt. He's kind of like jeering at them and sort of you know hustling them along, just kind of like treating them like cattle, essentially. And she tells it's a lady, him, I think. The first, the first, oh, the first person one. is a man. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and so Rachel talks about how she, in this moment, said to him, "There's no need to be rude." Mm. And then he said, "Well, you're being rude." Mm. And then it became this whole thing. And so, you know, she then says that she really struggles to kind of make sense of this encounter because, you know, what is rudeness? And mm. then she goes on to talk about, you know. Is rudeness um, a necessary evil? Is it something that we do? Is it like the last stopgap b- b- before physical violence? Or is it, you know, do we confuse rudeness with honesty? Uh, the two are so often conflated. Mm. And there's a similar feeling of um, kind of euphoria, of letting go, 
when you're being rude and when, when, you're, when you're being honest, mm-hmm. I think. And um, she then goes on to kind of apply the kind of the narrative of, of rudeness to kind of the current political climate, both in the UK and in the US. Um, she sort of talks about, you know, how, how the different sides say in terms of the Brexit debate, they use rudeness and politeness, they sort of weaponize them. Mm. So there's not like a, I don't, I wouldn't say that it comes out with like a, um, a really strong thesis about, you know, what rudeness is or, you know, are we living in the age of rudeness? But yeah, like I say, she just, it, it's, it's just a beautiful kind of conversation that she has with the reader and she just makes you think about, you know, what is rudeness and is rudeness a bad thing? She's um, kind of exploring her sensitivity yeah. to language and kind of making sense of that, isn't she? Totally. And kind of um, about how since her country voted to leave, um, you know, um, and Brexit, the kind of default state has been rudeness and how has this come about yeah. and how do you react to that? Um, but, yeah, that sensitivity to language, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, it's it's a super interesting piece, um, if you've got a subscription to New York, does New York she, Times. Does it go out um, and detail the encounter that she has with the retail assistant? Oh, because that's in the essay. Yes. It's a really long essay. It is. It's, it's so good. And she, um, oh, just as a shop girl, you know, she talks about how she goes into a clothing shop in London. Oh, my God, this made girl, me sweat. I know, and this... You know, the sales We've all had this experience. Quite intense with her. Really pushy. And to the point where she kind of snaps back mm. and is sort of like, I'm okay. And then the woman sort of is quite hostile towards Rachel Cusk. Yeah, yeah. Um, and her whole tone changes. And it's just this really strained, recognizable interaction yeah so you like you say it's an ex- it's an exploration of kind of our social dynamics and and how we kind of yeah. interact with each other and it, it's really expansive and and really sort of open and questioning and that's quite representative of Rachel Cusk's work in general I, I would say so yeah she has this real kind of intellectual vigor yeah and I think um she doesn't really muck around and I think that could in her nonfiction make readers bristle a bit because it can be quite hard yeah Um, but then I don't think it's without flashes of vulnerability um, or empathy as well but um, it's quite it's kind of like a a neutral voice that she has it is quite yeah I would say so and I think that um going back to what you said earlier about people saying that she's hard to read I I don't find that to be the case at all her prose is quite clear it's Mm. quite transparent Mm. Um, and it's quite spacious yeah. as well. Um, and she's not super wordy. She's not, she like you say, she has this intellectual rigor, but it's not, the writing doesn't feel academic no. at all. There's no jargon. There's none of that horrible shit that no one wants to read. Mm-hmm. It's real clear. Yeah. She's so, got backbone. I think she's a writer of real backbone. I've never read her before. I can't wait to read her. Oh, well, you can read this I article if you, yeah. if you have any articles left. <laughs> For this month, or if Depending you have a subscription. on what computer I'm looking at. Oh, yeah. Yeah. okay, okay. All right, so that's my pick. That was my online pick. I've got great um, online essays pick. if you want to borrow them too. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, not with me, but I'll bring them. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> Sorry. I got enough to keep me out of trouble for yeah. the meantime. Yeah. <laughs> I just realized that you grabbed that book. Oh, yeah. Did I give it to you? You did. Oh, Car- did I? Karen I grabbed it. I, you passed it here and then I oh. took it and gave it to Lou. I was like, oh, was <laughs> that was the I think Karen was worried that I was going to leap over her and grab it. <laughs> can leap over me anytime. Ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, who's next? 
you can go. Okay. So um, I don't have an online piece. I guess we're just back to not books. It's just not books. <laughs> it's just not books. But um, I just wanted to talk about this really cool exhibition that's on at Object Space at the moment, and it's called A Short Run, A Selection of New Zealand Lathe Cut Records. And it is really great. I went on Saturday, and it's on until November the 30th, so there's lots of time to go and check it out. And it brings together a selection of um, lathe cut cover art. And what is that? What so is a lathe cut? cut is a handmade polycarbonate disc. Um, like a record, it's a record. Okay, but it's produced in New Zealand <laughs> cheaply by a gentleman named Peter King of Peter King Records, um, oh, based yeah. near Canterbury, and he's been making these records since the 1980s on kind of mostly homemade gear. And they're these records where, so usually, um, when you stamp a record, a record like a commercially made record, it's kind of um, stamped whereas his is cut in with a diamond head um, in real time. So it's a real labour of love. He'll um, have a print run of, say, I don't know, like 50 records, and he's doing them in real time. So, you know, it's real real care and craft. So there's about 250-ish record covers in this exhibition, and it celebrates the art of New Zealand lathe cuts, mainly from New Zealand's underground and experimental music scene. Mm. And... Um, there's lots of really cool examples of, you know, liner notes and little zines and cover art, and it just sort of celebrates New Zealand's lo-fi experimental and underground music makers who have released music on this really cool format. Awesome. Yeah. I think, yeah, c- record cover art is so beautiful, and I think it's one of those kind of objects that we kind of pass over in everyday life. We know that it's beautiful, but, like, it's not something that you display necessarily. Yeah, it's actually really interesting um, in this exhibition. I mean, a lot of the lathe cuts that are in there I actually have myself, and it's really cool seeing them all together <laughs> and kind of thinking, yeah. oh, yeah, I've got that one, and it's really nice. You know, a lot of them are part of a community, so it's kind of like all your friends kind of hanging out. Mm-hmm. Um and famously, EMI um, Records in New Zealand famously dumped their vinyl press into the ocean um, in the 1980s to make way for the new technology of CDs. So that kind of put paid to um, vinyl production in New Zealand. And Peter King was pretty much the only domestic record manufacturer um, operating out of this little shed <laughs> from his home. Oh, um, I love it. Yeah, and just really, really cool to see them displayed together. It's put together by Luke Wood, who is a lecturer in graphic design at Island um, in Christchurch. Yeah, and it's just a really neat look at the intersection between music and design in New Zealand's music culture. So, yeah. Whereabouts is Object um, Space? Object Space is on Rose Road, oh, which is um, in Ponsonby, Greylin. Mm, yeah, oh, kind cool. of off Williamson Ave. I used to I live on Rose Road. I used when to I live on Julian Street. Just oh, oh so did my friend Beth. Oh, bless. It <laughs> yeah. was probably in the same house. I lived in a famous flat that was in like various like V ads and stuff. It was did like it have <laughs> the massive garden out the back? Yeah. Yeah. And it was mustard with a green fence. Oh. But it had iconic. several paint jobs. Yeah, very <laughs> yeah. iconic, very iconic New Zealand flat. The the world, yeah, New Zealand's idea of a flat. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The world's idea of a flat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Neighborhood. Thanks so for that's that, me. Thank you. I'll try listening. and check that out. Yeah, it's cool. And if you, um, I wonder if it'll go touring, that'd be cool. Yeah, well, I have a feeling it might have um, it might have a showing at the Delves. Oh, that'd be um, great, which is in the Hutt Valley, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So keep an that eye would be out really cool. for that. I'm sure that they have something to do with this show, and they kind of do a similar thing to Object Space, you know, craft and... Yeah, yeah. they do some cool shit. Yeah.
can you mention your piece that you're writing about it? Oh, yes. So I'm writing a piece about um, lathe cuts for the spin-off, actually, and it's um, in association with Object Space. And it's been really hard because I have to focus on one darling from the piece, and I've been finding that extremely difficult. But um, I'm really pleased that they asked me to write it, and it's been really fun kind of working on this piece. But we can link to it, eh? Yeah. Maybe. Um, Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. We can, because we, I think that might come out in a week or so. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe we'll, just we'll tweet it. We'll, t- we'll, we'll tweet, tweet it. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, my online pick is, you know how we've dun, been, dun, dun. T- <laughs> you know how we were talking about spending too much time on your phone? Were we? Yeah. I can't, I might, I don't remember anything because I spend too much time on my phone. <laughs> I don't know. That's what I think about subscribing to something like the New York Times is that you're, that's more time on a screen, right? Mm. If you're not, if you're getting it in a digital way. Anyway, I've, I came back from holiday and I was like, right, I spend too much time on my phone and then I was investigating ways and I have a good friend, Tono, who is very strict with his online time and he has all these apps that that block him from sites and things. But I've just been using downtime on my iPhone. You don't have an iPhone. I have an iPhone. Oh, you do? Yeah. It looks so big. (laughs) Is that the one one. you're from your mum? Yeah, it's my mum's old iPhone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so in... (laughs) Stop hazing me. No, I'm not hazing you. So in screen... In settings and screen time... You can go to downtime because I guess mm-hmm. like last time we talked about this, I talked about keeping your sound on and keeping yeah, your phone out the room right. and stuff. But sometimes like I need to know there's some stuff I need to be in touch with all the time and then other stuff I don't. So yeah. you go to setting screen time and then you go to downtime and you just turn off all these apps from a certain time. So you can turn them all off. We, our magic time is 9.30 p.m. So just a... Um Disclaimer or no disclosure. Disc- Since Jenna has um, done this, I too have done it. Oh, and it has kind of changed my sleep at least. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is actually really good intel. Kind of amazing. So I do it from nine. I turn it off from nine thirty to seven o'clock, and you know, at nine twenty-five, the thing comes up. You are about to run out of screen time. Yeah. Um, and then you just don't think about it. And I've been going to bed and just reading and having a really good sleep because my brain and cells aren't abuzz with activity. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll just look this up. I'll just look this up. But often I'm always thinking about work and yeah. looking things up and books mm. and, oh, it's crap. So I've turned off Chrome, Instagram, yeah. Twitter, anything. And so you just think- Facebook Messenger? No, yeah, oh, Stu, gonna, told, Stu told me I had to leave Messenger on because he's like, I don't want to be trying to get a hold of uh-huh. you sometime, which I'm like, yeah, I can totally see that happening. Yeah. So I have yeah. Messenger, but because I'm not looking at my phone anyway, I kind of miss, miss that out. Mm. Um, so it blanks all out the mm. apps and you can't touch them. So good. If it was an emergency, you could press it and it says ignore for 15 minutes yeah. or something, but it's like the block is enough for me. It's Same. only been a week and a half, but it's been really awesome. It's been really good. And I've got it to right up until 9 a.m. Because what I would do is just mm. get up and look up, start looking at my phone, and then I'm looking at other stuff. Yeah. And I'm just not getting ready for work fast enough. Yeah. Not that you're ever late, but... But oh, you know. Actually, no. I would know. <laughs> Jenna starts before. She's but prompt. you open the shop. So yeah, yeah, no. Be. I have to be there. I try to get there at 8.30, but, you know, 9 o'clock slips by sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh... 
So this was your online pick, but it's actually kind of the anti-online. Anti-online, yeah. And I feel like I've been just reading more or switching hey. off. Yeah, it's. I guess it's all about wanting to read more books, right? Yeah. And ingest more, better content. Because, you know, Jenna and I were talking about it. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you hop into bed and you start doing that empty death scroll on your phone yeah. and it's 1am and you kind of don't feel good but if you go to bed like Jenna said you know to me the other day you go to bed and you read till 1am you actually feel pretty good yeah. you know you're, you're like, tired you feel you're like, it's a reading party yeah <laughs> <laughs> reading um, party for one so thanks Jenna for inspiring me no it's been good I'll um, let you know we should give an update in a month yeah if we actually stick but to it, I think it's. I think it's. It's. It's working for me, and I'm like, oh, I can't Google that. I'll just have to wait till tomorrow. Yeah, and yeah. it's fine, and I'm. I'm sleeping so much better. Yeah, because of it. So, and reading a lot more, if that was even possible for us. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I think. I have been reading more because of that. Yeah, it's the death Instagram scroll. It's just, and when you switch back in, you just see the stuff that you want to see because they bring it all to the top. Yeah, true. Yeah, so sweet hack, Jen. Um, okay, TBR pile. Mm. Yeah, can, I don't want to go first because I am i didn't make any notes and I'm struggling to remember what's oh, on mine. I can go first yes, if you like. So, um, to be read pile, I just actually really want to go back to Duck's Newbury Port because Same. I had to abandon it for all these author interviews I had to do. Um, so really keen to get back into that. Really keen to get back into more Rachel Cusk. I want to read the outline trio um, of books. You've read those. Yes, I read those. Yeah, I reviewed those yeah, yeah, a little while yeah. ago. So really keen to read those. And oh, you're going to love them. This one here, which is um, a Fitzcarraldo. I want to hold it up so people can see it. <laughs> Vivian by Christina Hasselholt. It's a Fitzcarraldo editions. And it delves into the world of the enigmatic American photographer Vivian Meyer. So this is <gasps> really yeah. Who oh. was um? You guys all know she was the nanny who lived a quiet life in Chicago and New York, who over about um, the course of about four decades took something like one hundred and fifty thousand photos. That was a beautiful documentary. Yeah, it was a great documentary. Did they get them together, maybe maybe mm. called Finding ago. Vivian Meyer, and um, they were discovered in an auction shortly before she died. But she was a real outsider artist, and this novel is a meditation on art, madness, and identity. And I just can't wait to read it. So it looks re- amazing. Yeah, yeah, you can read it after me. Cool. And, um, so, yeah, Fitzcarraldo editions can never go wrong. Always and then, beautiful, that royal blue cover. That's just my fave. And another one I'm really keen to read too is the new Galley Beggar press novel, Patience by Toby Litt, which I've been seeing heaps of buzz about. I really like what Galley Beggar do. Mm-hmm. So, Agreed. Really looking. F- and they have fantastic covers as well. They Super do. minimal. I'm really smart, just right up my alley. And really keen to read Face It, the Debbie Harry memoir. <gasps> yes. That will be just like a really fun. God, I love I her. Love a, I love her so much as well. So really looking forward to that. And I'm about halfway through at the moment, The River Capture by Mary Costello. Um, she's an Irish writer and just heard the right kind of buzz about her from the right kind of people. Sinead Gleeson, a writer who I really love, who I've talked about on this podcast before. Constellations. Constellations. She's going to be at yes. Verb Festival. And um, I interviewed her and we can put a link up to yeah. the interview. Um, but again, it's got a cock block on it. So <laughs> yeah, never mind. Um, but yeah, The River Capture by Mary Costello about a James Joyce obsessive who is a school teacher from Dublin and goes back to live on the family farm. 
and that's kind of all I'm up to. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, really, really kind of dreamy, and it's got a big endorsement from one of my favourite writers, Anne Enright, on the cover. Um, oh, can I go next? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I, that's another one that I'm really excited <laughs> about reading, the new Anne Enright, which I'm going to save for my Christmas holiday. Sweet. She's my favourite. Is she your favourite? She's my favourite writer. Know that. Her I, and Deborah Levy. Have I read Anne Enright? She's fucking amazing. The Green The Green Road? Road. No. The Gathering? No. Maybe I haven't read her. Is the, what's the one about the four siblings coming back to the mum? Is that The Green Road? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So good. Did she write one about an affair? It was called like the affair. Or something? Oh, she's done one called Taking Pictures, oh, which no. is short stories. Okay, and I, need to, I need to read an affair some in Anne Enright. <laughs> she's clearly. so good. So good. Well, I just I wanted to do mine while I remember before it <laughs> yeah. goes out of my brain again. Um, so on my to to be read pile, I have got um, the boyfriend by Laura Southgate. Oh, I've read that. Published by VUP. I can't wait for you to read it so we can. I've got someone to talk to about it. Okay, great. I'm really looking forward to it. I think the cover is terrible. The cover is one of the worst I've seen in the longest time. But the but the 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 idea of the book sounds super interesting. Yeah, oh, totally. It's about a young woman who has a much older boyfriend and he seems to be like a manipulative <laughs> piece of shit. I can't wait for you to read Yay! it so we can talk about it. And then other than that, I have a couple of other books that I'm reading on different devices. Um, so I actually just got my eyes lasered, so I'm not oh, wearing glasses yes, anymore. Oh, yeah, so congratulate you on that. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird thing to congratulate someone on. But, um, like, Karen, I didn't realise you were so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was next on my list of How things to address. How do you feel? Um, I feel great. It's, yeah. uh, it's great being able to see. Wow. <laughs> I feel like I look slightly less intelligent, but that's fine. That's I guess not like, possible. It's great to be like... <laughs> no, I mean, great. like... I know, I know. Intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, underestimate me. I dare you. And we'll see what happens. Um, and anyway, so during that time, I was like, I had to re- listen to audiobooks because I was trying to rest my eyes. Mm. Um, so I'm listening to a book that my mother recommended to me. She said it was light, um, you know, not, not necessarily great literature, but a lot of fun. It's called The Address, and it's by Fiona Davis. Mm. Um, and... You know, something that my mum and I have talked about is how audiobooks, the main thing is the person who's reading the audiobook. Mm. So who's reading this? I, oh, I don't know, uh. but she's doing a good job. annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and then as I mentioned, I'm also reading on my phone, I'm reading a free ebook that I downloaded of the classic Sister Carrie by Theodore Dreiser. Mm. And it's so compelling and gripping. So if you want, if you want the link to that, hit me up. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, Great. Cool. Is that where that you, that's your reading pile? That's my reading pile that I can remember. I mean, it's way bigger than that. Oh, oh yeah. I'm also going to read Call Me Evie by J.P. Pomare, oh, and I've been looking forward to that because I love crime crime yeah. and thrillers. I've got the sequel to that. Well, like the, his next one if you want to oh, yes. read that as well. Yes, throw it at it's me. It's coming out next year. Oh, 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 I can be. I'll feel like the Booker <laughs> judges. <laughs> It's not a manuscript, though. It's an actual book. Oh, that's preferable. (laughs) Jenna, what's on your pile? Um, I'm actually halfway through a lot of books at the moment. I don't try. I hate Mm. being halfway through books, and I'm just trying to whip them off. But I'm reading um, Ducks Newburyport. I'm reading Mike Chun's A Sharp Left Turn, which I'm really enjoying. It's just a great. Oh, I was just going to say, a great gossipy yarn. That's what it says on the back of the book. Oh, it literally um, says exactly Some good blurb writing. He's just <laughs> a really great storyteller. He was in 
Splendians, which was my mum's favourite band when I was born. And so that was just the mm. music that filled my the house in the 80s when I was growing up. And uh, he's just a really a good yarner. Like, he feels like your eccentric uncle just telling these funny stories, like <laughs> where he walked, at eight years old, walked from Otahuhu to the Civic to watch a movie and um, walked back and was very hungry. <laughs> oh, I need to check the index to see if my eccentric uncle gets mentioned. Oh. He was briefly an electric violinist for them. What's his name? What's his name? It's Dennis Closser. Ah, mm. but he's probably. Not. I think it was a very brief. Tenure. I'll let you know if I see. They his had like name. another electric violinist as well. Yeah. I've got I've got the reading copy, so it actually has a different cover. But this oh, is I the, was about the, the the real cover. cover is amazing. Yeah, it's like yeah, that's great gorgeous. photos. And also, can I just say, what a babe! Yeah, I actually know his son Barney, and they look exactly Barney. alike. Just saying, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Barney's like thirty. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> And I'm also reading Mary Holmes Rich Enough, and I'm just <laughs> loving it. I'm loving it. I've just suddenly become an expert on Kiwi Saver. Oh, shit. She has. And one thing that I love about Mary Holm is I'm just such a convert. She just, when she's writing, she'll be like, maths alert, and then she'll like say all this maths and then write a summary sentence in English, plain English, so to be easy. like, oh, yeah, it's nice. just easy. Yeah. And um, it doesn't make you feel dumb. Oh yeah, so at the end of every chapter you could like buy yourself a treat if you've been doing these oh. things in the book. But her treats are so up my alley. It's like buy a book or some cheese or wine. <laughs> it's just very bushy, like <laughs> she's she's just very sweet and I feel like things are going okay. It's really made me understand Kiwi Saver. Wow. As is that the only? Is that the main kind of takeaway for you, Kiwi Saver? Well, or? I'm only halfway through, so then it's getting on to retirement. That's mm. <laughs> oh quite intense. Yeah. But as she say, she keeps saying that there should still be a super for us when we're retired, which <sighs> makes me feel good. Um, and that, so that's what I've been reading. I've just been trying to knock all of those books off, which I hope to do soon. And then I just put on hold at the library yesterday. Divide me by zero by Lara Zap Zapnia. And it was reviewed in the New York Times. I couldn't read it because I was cock-blocked. But the, <laughs> the headline was, A romantic comedy so dark it will make you cry. And I thought, oh, yeah, that, lo- that looks good. What's so it called? Divide Me by Zero. Okay. It's only in a hardback at the moment. That's Ooh. why I put it on order at the library. Great. Can't yeah. to... Oh, oh, and I'm also looking forward to reading Screen Tests by Kate oh, Sandrino. Oh, yeah, me too. Yes. Yeah. Screen Tests. Because that's the other one that I just wanted to abandon everything and read. Yeah. Um, yeah. Green Girl. I love that book. Green Girl, um, which came out like quite a while ago. About 11, about 10 years ago. Such a great book. So, so ahead good. of its time. I kind of feel like that book was ahead of its time and it's kind of what people are reading now. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's I mean, I'm like hyperventilating at the thought of saying this, but it is kind of Sally Rooney. I know. I was thinking the same thing. I think I'm sorry to speak. say that. Yeah, um, but it's I true. I apologise, but it's, it's true. true in this case. Yeah, it really is. And that came out ten years ago. So yeah. there you have it. Mm-hmm. All right, is that us? It's us, guys. I think that is us. I Thanks. think we've done an hour. Thanks so much for listening. Um, don't forget to like and subscribe. Um, write a review if you like. And every time you do that, it makes um, us easy to find for other people. So yeah. we really We're appreciate it. We're growing because of you guys. Yeah, which it's is amazing. really cool. And thank you to Alice. 
filling Yay. in for Tina. Yeah. Alistair original. Yeah. original. OG. Throwback. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks to the Matatuhi Foundation. And um, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and you can email us anytime. And don't forget to go to your favourite local New Zealand bookshop this New Zealand bookshop day. Yes. Right on. Kakite. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Hello for Lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-Off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spin-Off member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.